Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Uh, we're going to start in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to be in the Passion Translation. Sorry, I should have said that earlier. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 in the Passion Translation. Paul says this, So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. So uh, we're going to pause right here. Um, one translation, it says, Therefore, there is no condemnation. Somebody say the word, therefore. So we said a few weeks ago, Bible study tip, whenever you see in the word, why you follow? You already, she already knows. Whenever you see in the Bible, you see the word therefore, you need to go back and see what it's there for. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back in Romans chapter 7. We'll still stay in, the, stay in the Passion Translation. Romans chapter 7, we're going to read verses 22 through 25 and then straight into Romans 8.1. But we'll, we'll, we'll break it verse by verse. But Romans 7, 22. It's a good Bible study tip. I didn't just make it up. I wish I could say I made it up. I wish I could say, you know, that the words, Jesus' words in red are meant to be read. I wish I could say I made that up too, but I didn't. But in Romans chapter 7, verse 22, Paul says, he says, Paul says this, excuse me. He says, truly deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Is that all verse 22? Yeah. Um, Verse 23, but I discern, another, I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. Will you go back to verse 22, please? Truly deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. I love this because Paul says my true identity. If you've accepted Jesus, then you have this born again nature. That's how we know it. Our, our born-again nature, our new nature, your true identity, that, that's who you really are. You know, I know, we, I, know uh, we, I have my favorite shirts, I have my favorite shoes, my favorite clothes, you know, my favorite hat. You may have your favorite stuff on the outside, deck yourself up, doll yourself up, but who you truly are is that born-again self, Amen. that new nature. Who you truly are is a child of God. Amen. That's what Paul is saying. And I love this because he says that our true identity, your true identity loves to please God. Your true identity loves to please God. Why? Because your true identity is a child of God. You are a child of God. I've, I've said it before. I've said it several times. But, but when it comes to our daily war, your daily war is not you versus your coworkers. It's not you versus your boss. It's not you versus the gas pump. It's not you versus the government. It's definitely not you versus the children. It's not uh, us versus. Um, it's not us versus what they said about us in high school. It's not us. It's not you versus COVID. It's you versus you. That's the daily war. That's the daily battle. If you've made the decision to accept Jesus, it's you versus you. It's your flesh versus your born again nature. It's what you want to do versus what you ought to do. It's what you it's what you want to do versus what you've been born into, what you've been redeemed into, what you've been placed by God, what you've been placed into. Amen. It's you versus you. Amen. Your true identity as a child of God versus the law of performance. That's your daily war every day. Your true identity versus uh, the law of performance, the law of performance. In verse 23, let's read that. <clears throat> 
But I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. I love this because I want to emphasize a phrase that Paul says. He says, waging a war, waging a war. He describes the inward battle that we have on the daily. He describes it by war. Now, obviously, we all know what war means, but just let, let me define it real quick. War is a state of hostility conflict or antagonism watch this war is a struggle between opposing forces for a particular end that's why serving jesus is tough at times that's why following jesus sometimes it's it's hard that's why that's why sometimes it's hard for you to pray it's hard for you to break past your flesh and pray something that's why it's, it's hard sometimes to fast that's why it's hard sometimes to lift your hands because paul never said that that your flesh paul never said that the enemy paul never said that the law of sin and death is playing tit-tat-toe within you no he said it's waging war waging war not tit-tat not a game of checkers not a game of candy crush the devil ain't playing candy your your flesh ain't playing candy crush no 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 it's waging war war is a state of hostility a state of antagonism a state of uh, it's on a loop it's on a loop literally so that's why sometimes we you, you feel that resistance like man i really need to read today but it's just hard Oh, man, I got all these things to do. Why? Because your flesh is waging war. It's going to remind you of everything you need to do versus what you ought to do, which is just rest in the Lord. Amen. You know, we, uh, I'm not going to make you turn there, but literally when Jesus came into the house of Mary and Martha, one of the sisters decided to clean while the other sisters decided to rest and sit in his feet, at his feet. And literally she, one of the sister that was cleaning, she complained and said, Lord, will you tell my sister to come and do this? Help me do this. These, I mean, let's be honest. If it's us, Jesus coming to your house, we all leaving right now, cleaning, throwing everything under the bed. I mean, at the same time, he's Jesus. So he probably got it's revision. He can see the socks under the bed. All right. I'm just saying he can see all of us. I don't know why we're trying to hide the dirt, but still metaphorically we do and physically we would. But still, we see one of the sisters, she's in the kitchen trying to clean, scrub, and all this other stuff. You know, we, 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 and Jesus said, listen, your sister over here has chosen the right thing to do, which is just to soak in my presence. Why? Because, listen, our flesh, it's going to remind you of all the things you ought to be doing. Ah, you need to be, you need to be working on the taxes. You need to be doing this. You need to be, uh, you need to be cleaning. You need to be folding. And I'm not saying don't clean, don't fold your clothes. Please, for the love of everything holy, clean your clothes. Wash them, brush your teeth, all that stuff. But at the same time, make sure that you are including time with the Lord. Make sure you're including time with, we have no problem including time with the TV. Oh, man, the TV gets our worship. Show does. Gets our worship, gets our tithe, that Netflix gets that, that con- contribution, that Hulu, HBO Max, Disney Plus, I got it all. It gets Prime, it gets it all. <laughs> Funny story about Amazon Prime, I remember back when we lived in, uh, back when we lived in Florida, they, Florida spoiled us because uh, there was an Amazon Prime distribution center literally 15 minutes down from our apartment. So if, you, if we ordered something, it always came the next day because it was right down the road. And if they, you know, if, if uh, we missed it, then I could just drive up to the thing right after work and go get it. And I remember, uh, I remember when Prime came about. Um, I would always, <laughs> we, uh, th- th- this is just me because I am, a, I am my parents' kid, so I'm just saying that. But I remember Prime came out, and you know, you do the 30-day free trial, and then after that, they charge X amount of dollars. So I would always wait until about 
mm, right after Thanksgiving, whenever we would purchase our Christmas presents online. I sign up for Prime, get free shipping, da da da. And then about as uh, soon as as uh, soon as all the presents come in, I cancel the subscription. And I would do it every year, every year, same time. I remember, I remember the time we got down to Florida, you know, I was signing up for prom, and uh, Kelsey's like, are, why are you signing up for prom? I was like, oh, well, you know, we're about to get the Christmas present. She said, Lindsay, we've been doing prom all these years. We ain't had a membership. I said, no, nah, girl, we ain't had no membership. Like, ain't nobody trying to pay that $9 and all that. She's like, Lindsay, pay the $9. Pay the $9 right now. I said, Kelsey, Kelsey, it's the principal, okay? We don't need the $9 throughout the year. You know, we just need it for Christmas time. I said, should I know pay the nine dollars? But we we we've we've definitely milked out that. So we we pay the nine dollars a month and we you know, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying we had we had a thing. We had a thing, but still they get our contributions. We have no problem giving our time to material things, but make sure you are including time just to read. Amen. Just to open up the Bible and read. Or watch this. Maybe you, why don't we just include time just to maybe it's uh, go to another room and just sit and say, okay, Lord, what, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to show me, whatever you want to tell me. Amen. Now's your time. Yeah. Now, now's your time. For those that are married or ever been in a relationship, there's, you know, the relationship is fruitful when each partner can spend time with each other. You know, we, we, we complain or we get confused when our relationship with the Lord isn't growing. Well, how much time are you invested into it? How, how, how much quiet time are you giving him? You know, yesterday as I was working, it's perfect quiet time where I'm like, okay, Lord, show me. What, what is it you want to tell me? What is it you want to show me? Who do you want to show? Oh, Lord, I, that's right. You said last week, John 14, that uh, John 14, verses 8 and 9, that when we see you, we see the Father. So, Lord, reveal me. Show me the Father. Show me the heart of God as I'm working today, Lord. What, what, what is it you want to talk to me about? How, how much quiet time, how much time are we just giving and allotting to the Lord, being him, being truly him, amen? amen. In verse 24, verse 24, <clears throat> Paul says, what an agonizing situation I am in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? <clears throat> I'm going to read it in the mirror Bible, and then we'll go right back into verse 25. So you just stay right there, Shadra. But I love this, what Paul says in this translation in uh, chapter 7, verse 24. Put up real quick. He says this. He says, it doesn't matter how I weigh myself by my own efforts. Mm. I just do not measure up to expectations. The situation is absolutely desperate for mankind. Is there anyone who could deliver me from this death trap? So I'll emphasize the phrase, your own efforts can never measure up to the expectations. Amen. Your own efforts can never measure up to expectations. True God-like expectations, your own efforts can never measure up to that. And I know that's hard. That hits the flesh because honestly, when you are trying to produce God results and live at a God standard through your own strengths, through your uh, through your through what you bring to the table, you'll fail every time. What God has called you to do, if you're trying to produce out your own strength, you will fail every time. The standard of holiness that God has set for us, if we're trying to do that out of our own strength, if we're trying to muster it up, if we're trying to do it, if we're trying to, if we're trying to use our own IQ, if, we're, if you're trying to use your upbringing, your traditions, you, 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 that's the problem. We include us in the recipe, in the recipe of the cake. 
The recipe that God is, when uh, Dave Robinson best said it this way in his book, um, Walk, the, Walk of Power, Walk of the Spirit, something like that. But he said in the very beginning, he, he, uh, he painted this elaborate story of, you know, in the very beginning when God was creating the world and God was planning your life and my life. You know, there was three members at this, you know, just imagine this little coffee table on, on the top side of the globe. There's three members. There's God, Holy Spirit, and the Son, Jesus. Uh, last time I checked, you and I, we wasn't sitting at that table. When God was planning your life, he wasn't saying, okay, hey, Ashley, I'm thinking about doing this. You know, how, how do you, you think you're going to like that? Lindsay, I, I, Lindsay, I'm going to plan your life, but hey, hey, what do you think about this? Do you think you're going to want to go there? Oh, you ain't going to want to go there? You ain't going to want to? No, God, did, no. God, you were not there. You were not there in the very beginning. You weren't even there in the middle. All right, you came when you came. And guess what? God, if he prepared your life, then he deserves all the trust for our life. But unfortunately, we get caught up in this loop. We get caught up in this war within ourselves where your flesh is saying, hey, you got to do this. You got to make it happen. You got to strap. You got to scrap. You got to strive. You got to da 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 da. And as you know, we are the ones that are taking control of the wheel. We taking control of the ship. And God's just sitting back saying, okay, well, whenever you're ready, let me. Why? Because he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself. I'd see that's that's why I, I couldn't be God, because as a parent, when my kids start to do something, I see they're they're going I, instantly. I take over. Let me kill and move. Let me do it. Just let me do it. Let me pick up the shoes. The other day, Keenan was looking for his Batman crotch. Keenan, they're over there. Where? Over there. Keenan. Just sit down, son. Let me get the crotch. I'll get them. <laughs> as human beings, we have that tendency. If something ain't happening, you know, you got to make it happen. You know, instead of asking somebody, you know, I'll do it myself. Never, I, I can't even remember how the saying goes, but, if, you know, if you want to take care of, or, yeah, if you want a job done right, you do it yourself. We've all heard that, yep. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The, when it comes to following Jesus, everything is the opposite of the world. So if you want a job done right, you take your hands off of it. Mm. You want that life that he's promised you? You, t- you, you step back. You need a battle fought for you, you get on your knees. Amen. You, put your, you put the hands in the pocket. That's hard for me because I used, I used to, especially when I was youth pastors, I used to go around saying, you know, my heart's saved, but my hands ain't. Don't mess with me. You know, I stay ready. I even had a, even had a sermon that uh, titled Stay Ready. I, I love that. I got scriptures for it and everything. Don't come at me. I'm ready. I stay ready. But when it comes to following Jesus, if we're truly going to follow him, then guess what? We have to surrender. That's the life of Jesus is total surrender. It's total submission. Doesn't mean that we ignore problems. Doesn't mean that we ignore people. And I'm definitely guilty of that. What it means is we say, okay, Lord, this is what's going on in life. Instead of me approaching it, how I'm going to approach it, how would you approach it? I'm going to sit back and let you show me how to approach it. And then I will do that. I will do just that. But Paul said that there was a war literally going within us. He didn't say the, the enemy or he didn't say the law of sin and death is playing tit-tat-toe or, or playing marbles with your heart. No, no, no. It is a war. It is a constant struggle. It is a constant loop of antagonism. It's a spiritual death trap when we try to use our IQ, try to use our upbringing, try to use our traditions in order to meet God's standards. It is a spiritual death trap. It is a spiritual death trap when we try to throw our denomination into, okay, what's God's plan for the, for the world? What's God's plan for my life? Oh, well, what does my denomination say? 
It is a spiritual death trap when we try to think that we can understand the logic of God. It is a spiritual death trap when we try to bring our strength, our IQ, our, ourselves into the equation of, 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 of fulfilling whatever God has said he's going to do in our life. It's a spiritual death trap. It is a spiritual death trap. In the parable of the father and the two sons that we read last week in Luke 15, both sons mistaken the father's love as conditional. That was the one thing they had in common. Well, this is the second thing they had. They, the first thing was they both were sons and they couldn't see it. One son thought he wasn't a son. He thought he was only could be a slave because he messed up so much and the, the father would never forgive him. The other son thought that he had to keep earning and keep working and keep sweating in order to keep that sonship. The mistake that they made was they both understood that the father's love was conditional. When the father was like, no, 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 no. All that I have is available for you. All that I have is available for you. That's why it's so freeing to be a child of God, because we realize that, you know what? I didn't read enough chapters this week, but you know what? There is no I can, there's there's no amount of chapters I could read to pacify God. There's no amount of time I could pray to. Pass, no, no, no. God is pleased with my existence alone. Amen. Zephaniah 317. We said last week, Zephaniah 317 says that he sings songs over us. Your name is in the course of the songs that he sings. Amen. The songs that come across his lips, guess what? He sings your name. We may, we, may sing all the, we may sing the songs we sing on Sunday mornings, but what he sings, the songs he sings over you, is a, you, can, you can hear your name in the songs that comes across his lips. Why? Because he's joyous about you. He is joyous about you. You bring him joy. You bring him pleasure. You know, I was at work yesterday, and I was thinking... Um, and the main, one of the main things I'm always thinking about is, okay, how much more time do I get off? We all, we all have that thought. You working like, oh, okay, two more hours, three more hours, da, da, da. And then, you know, for me, because pretty much I determine what time I get off, so I'm like trying to, I'm, I'm pushing, I'm like, I'm going a little bit faster. The weather's clear, roads are clear. I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm feeling this, you know. Like, you know, all right, car, let's see what you can do. Oh, okay, okay. You ain't got the turbo, but you acted like you got a turbo today. I'm like, you going to have a turbo. You know, I'm ready to go home and you know I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do about when I get home and I'm thinking about when I walk in the door and I see Kelsey or I see the boys or I see mom or I see dad and I'm thinking about them and I'm like oh man what's it going to be like you know I got I can imagine I start, I start creating these scenarios I'm like oh I wonder what it would be like if Dre is there I wonder like could I surprise her or could I jump on her could I like jump on her bed do all these different things what's it going to be like if if Kellen's there Kellen's going to want to wrestle and we start creating these different scenarios but as a parent I started to get joy thinking about the moment I saw my kids hadn't been around them hadn't hadn't been around them all day but the just their existence started bringing this joy within me just your existence bring this joy that bubbles up in the heart of the Father. Yeah. And watch this. Your existence is not based off of a condition. God is not excited because, oh, man, Miranda, she read 32 chapters this week. Woo! Heaven! Bum, 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 and they start playing all this music and turning up. No. No. It says that he rejoices and sings songs and melodies over us. Why? Because we just bring him joy. Yeah. And this is the freedom that we are supposed to walk in. This is the freedom that we are supposed to live our life in. This is the freedom that we're supposed to view everything that he does for us and everything that comes our way. Knowing that, okay, yes, rough times are going to come, but I know God has my back, not because of what I do, but because he truly loves me and that's it. Yes. That's, what, that's the freedom of sonship. Somebody say sonship. sonship. So in verse 25, <clears throat> I'm going to read this. Verse 25. 
Paul says, he says, I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So if uh, so if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. Somebody say sonship. sonship. In the in the mirror translation, verse 25 says this. Oh, I mean, it's so good. Oh, I mean, it's so good. Paul says this, he says in verse 25, same, uh, same verse that we read. He says, thank God this is exactly what he has done through Jesus Christ, our leader. He has come to our rescue. I'm finally freed from this conflict between the law of my mind and the law of sin in my body. Watch this. Jesus has balanced the scales. He is the true measure of life of our design. He has revealed, redeemed the image and likeness of God in us as a mirror. He's revealed and redeemed the image of God. We said last week in John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, Jesus told Philip, because Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father so we could be satisfied. And Jesus said, have you not been with me all this time that you don't know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? So one of Jesus' job while he was on the earth was to reveal the Father to mankind. One of his jobs now is to to reveal the Father to us. When When we see Jesus, we should see the Father. When we're like, you know, how, how, does, how does Abba Father feel about this situation? Well, okay, let's open up the Bible and see how Jesus handled it. Okay, well, that's, that's how God dealt with the situation. But like I said earlier, sonship shows you who you truly are and who the Father truly is. Sonship shows you who you truly are and who the Father truly is. Literally, because Jesus revealed the Father and he redeemed our image. He revealed the Father and he redeemed our image. Somebody say, therefore. All right, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. We read all that just so we can understand verse 1. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. I want to stay right there. Now the case is closed. The case is closed. Let me, let me, let me, let me, see, let me see you close your hands. Just. There you go. Now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice. No accusing voice of condemnation. So therefore, when the enemy raises like a flood, uh uh-uh. No, you don't believe him. In fact, you have, now you have the power to be like, Holy Spirit, raise the standard up against every, every accusing voice. Every accusing voice. But Paul said, because of what Jesus has done, because we have been made sons and daughters of God, guess what? There could be no accusing voice of condemnation. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I have to say it because they were sad, you see. When they caught the woman in adultery, they brought her to Jesus, and Jesus literally flitzed on all the Pharisees. And then he told the woman, he said, where are your accusers? And she said, well, there's, there's none. And he said, neither do I condemn you. That was, that was his first response. I don't condemn you. And we said earlier, if, if Jesus is doing it, that means the Father is doing it. Amen. Therefore, there is no accusation. There is no accusing voice that condemns us anymore. Because he told her, I don't condemn you. Therefore, go and sin no more. Therefore, your identity is restored. Because he said sin in the, in the Greek, it's the, it's, it's the word hamartia. And hamartia means without form, without identity, a distorted identity. A lot of times we miss the mark, which is sin. A lot of times we sin because we have the wrong view of ourselves and the wrong view of our Heavenly Father. 
you know, we, I said a few weeks ago, but, you know, I remember back in the 90s when there was TGIF on Friday nights, you had the whole lineup of shows. And I remember there's a couple of times they did like a 3D episode of Family Matters and Boy Meets World and even Sabrina Teenage Witch, which we weren't, we weren't allowed to watch, um, you know, because we were super. Yeah, thank you. All right. So y'all y'all understand. Y'all understand. So, but anyways, uh, I, I remember as a kid, I would just be like, I would hear some of my friends talk about it. And I would just listen like, oh, is that what they do on that show? Oh. Oh, you know, and I'll come home, mom, like, you know, so-and-so said that, the, no, no, <laughs> ain't no witches in this house. <laughs> we, was watch, we was watching the news yesterday, and uh, they, they reported how um, this uh, one Pokemon card went for like $28,000, and I was like, mama, you see that right there? She said, I don't care, I don't care. And I said, I know, Mom, no pocket monsters in this house. I got it. She said, that's right. I said, but, Mom, that pocket monster could have paid the mortgage. Yo, what you talking about? <laughs> uh, pay for this high gas. Yes. She gave me the lecture. She said, I don't need it when I got the Lord. I was like, ah. <laughs> no, Mom. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. But I remember as a kid, there was, the, there was the time where they would do a few 3D episodes and um, and like they would sponsor, they would, uh, they would, uh, I guess, be sponsored by different restaurants. And I remember there's one time where like KFC gave these 3D glasses. It was like the red and blue film. And I, there was one night where I wore it and watching the 3D episode of Family Matters. And as a kid, I'm just like, ah, oh, you know. And I remember uh, I went to the bathroom with the glasses on, and you know the bathroom looked red out of one eye and blue out of the other. That's that's what it looks. That's the that's an example of a distorted view. So that's what it means when we look at God with a distorted view. We're not looking at him correctly. We're not looking at him as a loving father. We're looking at him as one of those two sons. We're looking at him as, okay, well, I, Lord, I, I didn't measure up this week, so you know what? Don't, 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 don't bless me because I'm not deserving of it. Or we're like the other son who's, man, God, I've been sweating. I've been going to church faithfully. I've been tithing. I've been reading my word. I've been fasting. I've been in there when the doors are open, the last one to leave. And still my life is like this. Still my life looks like this. Where are you, God? And we have that, we come to that conclusion because we don't see God as unconditional. We see him as conditional. And Lindsay, this is very simple. It is very simple, but this is the war that we go through on the daily. This is the war that the flesh is literally warring at us. Okay, well, remember, you got to do this in order for God to do that. No, 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 no. Or remember, you know what? God, God's, God, God will wait on you. You need to go handle this stuff on your own first before you include him. That's the daily war that we have. But if we can understand there is freedom in being a child of God that when I wake up in the morning, oh, he's been singing songs and melodies over me while I was asleep. And he's singing songs and melodies as I'm awake today. He's been waiting on me. And guess what? He will walk with me and he will talk with me and he will love me and he will be with me. He will protect me. He will defend me. He will teach me. He will instruct me. He will protect. Why? Because he is a loving father, loving father. Loving Father, so therefore, if that's the truth, if that's the truth, then what am I willing to reject? If that's the truth, then what am I willing to reject? When trouble comes my way and I feel like, okay, I got to handle this on my own. No, 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 I reject that notion. Hey, God, you see what's going on. How do you want to take care of it? Lord, how do you want to restore my life? How do you want to redeem my life? Because if we're, if we're honest, Paul said that there is no accusing voice. There's no one that accuses you. You know, me and Kelsey, we was talking about this the other day, and I remember, I remember when we first moved back, and I, I'm a, the, I don't know about you, but the Lord, my, the, our conversations, our dialogue is very, um, it's very, 
it's very unique. But I remember, because um, uh, when we lived in Florida, one of the side hustles I would do, I would do DoorDash. And then when we got here, I was like, oh man, you know, let's, they're growing. We still got a way to go. Oh, we got waiter. Okay, I'm gonna do waiter until I, until I get picked up somewhere. So I'm doing waiter. And uh, one day, man, I was just in the flesh. I was just like, oh, uh, Lord, uh, you know, we need this, we need that. Ain't nobody biting, ain't nobody eating. And I get a little thing on the phone, you know, go pick up this. And it was to a restaurant where I knew the owner and I ain't seen them in a while. So now I'm like, oh man, they're gonna ask me what I'm doing. I'm like, ah, oh, so now I gotta tell them I'm back, living with my mom, working this. Can you just give me the food? You know, all these things that the devil is accusing me of being a barrister. And I remember, I remember as I got the food, I put it in the car, and, I'm, and I'm, I had to take it to the middle school. And I'm like, God, are you kidding me? The middle school, Lord? Like, you know who I'm going to run into there. Ah, oh, ah, oh, the next order was to Kwood. I was like, Lord, are you serious? Why are you doing this to me, Jesus? All these people about to run into Lindsay, is that you? No, it's not. No, it's not Lindsay. I don't, my name is Tyrone Jackson. I don't know who you're talking about. You know, <laughs> like, Lizzie, is that you? What are you doing now? You, you see what I'm doing. I'm delivering your food, man. Just take the food, okay? We don't, don't, don't. And I remember, I remember, I, you know, before I got out, before I even got out into K-Wood, I'm like, I'm like, God, I don't want to do this because this is embarrassing. I'm going through my list, my, my selfish list. And you know what the Lord said? He said, Lindsay, people aren't thinking about you the way you think they are thinking about you. And I was like, no, Lord, that kind of hurt. But you're right. People got their own stuff to worry about. People got their own bills to worry about. People got their own kids. People got their own uh, illnesses or aches or car breakdowns or whatever. And it's funny because the devil will accuse us and tell us that everybody's watching us. Everybody's watching every mistake we make. Everybody sees, oh, man, they see, uh, they see how you were dressed in Walmart, they think, and they come to all these different conclusions. When the truth of the matter is there is no accusing voice. There's no truth in, every, in any and every accusation that the devil accuses your way. At the end of the day, everybody has their own thing that they're worried about. And nobody is truly watching us the way that the devil convinces us that they're watching us. Nobody is truly watching you the way our flesh can truly uh, uh, convinces us that uh, people are watching you. They're not there. Oh, Miranda's shoes. And you see the shoes you're wearing look like they had holes in them. Man, how come she ain't? Nobody ain't paying attention to the shoes you're wearing. Nobody. I mean, uh, your shoes may be great. I don't know. I didn't see them today. But that just that, that just proves that just proves everybody has their own thing. So watch this. If everybody has their own thing, why are we so focused on people's opinions of us? Why are we so focused on people's approval of us? If you live for people's acceptance, then you will die from their rejection. If you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. Uh, a hard lesson I learned in Bible college, and I'll close with this. A hard lesson I learned, I remember there would be times where the Lord would give me this revelation. I'd be so excited, and I'm like, oh, so good and I go tell somebody and they'd be like oh yeah that's great and I'm like what did you not hear what I just said and I tell them no, no, no. and I'm, I mean yeah that, that's good that's good and uh, I'm like oh man like what is up with that and I remember one time the Lord gave me revelation I was like ah I know who to go to I know who I could go to that's going to celebrate with me I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Pastor Craig if anybody's ever met Pastor Craig we all know Pastor for most of us and I said all right Pastor Craig this and I begin to tell him what the Lord showed me so like, oh that's good brother and I'm like that's good, brother. Bro, did you not hear me? And I told him again, he said, that's good. That, that is good. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe it wasn't good. So because of, because of his response, I, I doubted the truth that the Lord had given me. And I remember when I got back to my apartment, I was like, oh, man, Lord, did I not hear you? And he told me this. He said, Lindsay, 
who who was uh, with you in the room when I gave you that revelation? And I was like, well, nobody. He said, okay, so therefore, how can you expect everybody to have the same response if they weren't in the room hearing the same thing that you heard? And I was like, mm. See, a lot of times we, we, based, uh, we, we base confirmation on if God is telling us something based off of everybody else's response. Amen. You know, the Lord may tell you something, the Lord may promise you something, and then you go share it with somebody, and they don't have the same excitement or the same jubilee as you do, and then that's, you know, we doubt God. We doubt him and we doubt his word. We doubt him and we doubt his word. But at the end of the day, if he has told you something, you need to hold on to that. Because listen, we said faith, the word faith in the Greek, it means firm persuasion, firm grip, firm grip. What you need to have on a firm grip today, what you need to have a firm grip on is there is no accusing voice that can condemn you. Why? Because you have been made a son or ladies, you have been made a daughter of God. You, you, there's freedom in sonship. There's freedom in being a child of God. Listen, I want to skip down to Romans 8, verse 15. This will be the last verse I read because all that was to say this. There's, there's, a, there's a line in verse 15 that Paul says in the Passion Translation. No accusing voice of condemnation. No accusing voice of condemnation. Paul says this, he says, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, and I promise I'm closing, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you never feel orphaned as, or you never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved Father, I want you to look at this phrase, and you will never feel orphaned. You will never feel orphaned. I remember as I was talking to the Lord last night, I was like, Lord, all I keep hearing is sonship, sonship. All I keep hearing is continue from last week. Lord, I don't know. I told Kelsey, I said, I don't know what else to say. We talked about so much of of sonship and how the freedom is. And as I'm beginning just to look over the notes from last week and look over the scriptures, I come across verse 15 and that phrase instantly the Lord said, orphaned. And I'm like, okay, well, well, let me reread it again. And literally he says that because of our sonship, because of we are children of God, we have the opportunity to never feel orphaned again. Amen. See, for, for the most part, we're all smarter here. We all understand what an orphan is, but an orphan is someone that is truly alone. No mother, no dad. No support system. No resources. No support system, no resources, no, uh, no backbone, no all, all these different things. They have to scrap. They, every, anything and everything that they want, they have to do it. So when God said that, because of what I've done for you, 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 you don't have to do that. See, the one son, he felt, he felt abandoned in that moment, and then he realized, oh, wait, wait, my, my, my father, he has many servants. Maybe I can go and be a servant. So therefore, maybe I, okay, I, so therefore, if I can work to earn, then he'll, he'll, he may forgive me. But the other son, the other son was living in the house and he was like, oh, you know, this, this that I have, I got to keep it up. 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 And God says that the path that I called you to walk is neither of those two sons. It's the path that realizes that, you know what? Our heavenly father, he gives us the fatty calf. He gives us his robe because we said last week that the father said, put my robe on him. He gives us the seal of sonship, and he throws us a celebration. All because he is a loving father. 
Lindsay, why are we talking about this? Well, the reason we're talking about this is because everything in your relationship with God is based off of one thing, and that is you are a child of God. Everything from this day forward, everything from this day forward, everything from this day forth, because you heard it, everything in the contents of your relationship with God is based off of one truth, and that is you are his son or you are his daughter. Everything that goes on between my relationship and my boys is because of one truth, and that is because I'm their father and they are my sons. So therefore, watch this. If they're fed, it's because they're my sons. And it's my joy. It's not just my responsibility. It's my joy to feed them. It's my joy to, it's my joy to find the, the weirdest snacks. It's my joy to get them Pop-Tart bites. Why? Because it brings them joy to the point that I'm on Amazon with my Prime membership or at Amazon looking at all the different flavors. Why? Because I know that, oh, I wonder if this is going to bring them joy. I wonder if this is going to bring them delight. I wonder if this is going to fill their bellies. How much more does our Heavenly Father who searches our lives and looks and says, hey, I wonder if this is going to help. I wonder if this is the type of spouse they need. I wonder if this is the type of job that will bring apart the life or the type of house that they've always desired. What is it that my child loves because I am the Heavenly Father and I love them despite what mistakes they make, despite how much they think they got to earn it. You're not called to be either of those sons. You're called to be the son that rests. Or ladies, you're called to be the daughter that rests and trusts in a loving father. In a loving father. That's why we sang the song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer tied to bondage. You know, we read it last week, but that's why we don't subscribe to religion. Because literally religion, it literally means to return to bondage. When you look in the, in the, Latin, in the Latin definition, to return to bondage. To bind up again. And we, and we read in Galatians chapter 4 verses 34 and 35 last week that he has freed us from that religion. He has freed us from religious duty. He has freed us from bondage. But also Paul said that with religion comes the fear of not measuring up. So watch this. Those, 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 those moments when you feel like, okay, man, I'm, I'm not measuring up to where I should be. Maybe in that moment we've, we've entertained the spirit of religion. Maybe, maybe, maybe on the daily there's moments where like, oh man, I know I should be doing this, but I haven't done that. That's a sign of, you know what, I, somewhere along, I'm, I'm entertaining a religious standard that I'm not meant to keep. Or watch this, I'm entertaining a religious standard that Jesus has already fulfilled at the cross. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it in the weeks leading up to Easter, but we never see Jesus at the cross as he's on the cross, arms stretched wide, saying, all right. Lord, before I surrender my spirit, make sure that everybody knows that they got to read enough chapters. Before I give up the ghost, Lord, make sure they know it's slats and khakis on Sundays. Make sure they know no holes in the jeans, Lord. Make sure they know no Christian rap music. I don't care if it's got Christian label. No, no, no. Arms stretched. Arms stretched for you. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, one of my favorite verses. One of my favorite verses. Before I even tell you this. I remember on my 21st birthday, my 21st birthday, I was living in Cleveland and um, worked at Little Caesars. And I remember um, the, 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 the day of my birthday, um, uh, or it may have been the, uh, the day before. But anyways, everybody was like, oh, tomorrow's going to be your 21st birthday. You're going to turn up, Lindsay. You're going to turn up. I was like, no, because they were all talking about doing, doing stuff. Because the world has a standard. When you turn 21, you were supposed to get lit. For all the seasoned saints that you're just, um, you're supposed to go to a, a different reality. If you, if you understand what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? 
You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and I remember, no, I'm not about that life. I don't like doing that. You know, and they're like, oh, no, 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 just one time. Lindsay, God going to forgive you? You good? Because they all knew that I moved there to go to Bible college to pursue, to get further and, uh, and all this stuff. And um, I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. So I remember as I'm driving home, you know, um, our neighbors, we, we, we didn't live in the best neighborhood. Um, and our neighbors, they're just, you know, they're outside drinking and all this, having a good time. And I remember I um, showered, went, uh, get ready to go to bed, and I'm looking at them out my window. And they're, by the world center, they're living it up. And I, I think my roommate was either asleep or he was uh, hanging out somewhere else. And I remember saying, okay, Lord, like I've, I've, I'm pursuing you. The world says that on my 21st birthday, I'm supposed to have this grand, grand awesome of a time. But Lord, I'm not doing that. I love, but you know what, Lord, I don't want my 21st birthday to be lame, Lord. I want, I want, I, I want something great. So Lord, I, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it in your hands. I remember that night, and I never forget it, and I've told the story before. I don't think I've told it here. But I remember, I remember that night, um, I had a vision. It's very rare that I have visions. I remember I have a vision, and I was there at the cross. I mean, it was so real, Miranda. I could smell the sulfur in the air. I never forget it. And, and I, I could, I, I'm, I'm weeping because I recognize where I'm at. And I see Jesus on the cross, and I, I, I could see the, 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 the nail print in his hands. I could see the blood. I could smell it. And I could hear the people mocking him and making fun of him. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, are you crazy? Do you guys not realize who this is? And I'm looking at Jesus on the cross, and I notice that his eyes are fixed on something. And I'm like, and me, I'm like, how can he just be standing? How can he just be there? Because when we're in pain and agony, eyes closed, we're not focused on anything other than our pain. I'm like, this, this guy ain't focused. What's he looking at? And I, and I noticed that he is focused on something behind me. His eyes are fixed on something behind me. And I turn around to look and see what he's fixed on. And when I turn around, I seen, and most of y'all weren't here back then, but when I was 14 years old, there was a pew right here. And me and Miranda and a few others, we were in the very back, and Elijah was with us. And and I remember, I all I can remember, I, I can't even remember what Elijah talked about. But I remember as we came back up on a Wednesday night, Granny was right here, and she began to ask, "Does anybody want to give their life to the Lord?" And I grew up in this church. I grew up hearing the gospel. Da 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 da. And in that moment, I for some reason I said, "You know what? I want to." And I remember in that moment, she laid hands on me and I fell and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but also I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I saw that as my back is to the cross, as I'm looking at what Jesus is focused on. And instantly I heard the Holy Spirit say, Hebrews 12, verse 2, which says, for the joy of us, he endured the cross. For the joy of you, he endured the cross. That means that he got joy knowing that, you know what? One day they're going to accept sonship. One day they're going to accept their true identity, which is they are a child of God. One day they're going to accept the true identity, whether they are a son or a daughter of God. But guess what? He also knew that not all was going to receive him. And still he found joy. Your existence brings him joy. Your existence brings him joy. He was on the cross and his eyes were fixed on who? He was fixed on you. He was fixed on that moment when you that that sonship was going to come alive and you were going to not be like either of the sons, but you was going to realize, oh, man, I have a loving father who protects me, who guides me. He leads me. He walks with me. He is with me at all times, who sings over me, who watches over me, who gives me the fatted calf. 
who puts the robe on his robe, who gives me the seal of sonship, who celebrates over me. That's the life that we're called to live. That's, that's the filter that you're called to view your job tomorrow while you're at work. That's the, that's the filter that you're called to view people when you walk in Walmart. Doesn't matter what they think about my past. I'm a child of God. I won't for nothing. The best part, I don't have to beg for anything. God knows my needs and he will provide. You know, we, we used to sing the song that he's an on-time God. And I remember growing up, I'd be like, you know what? You know, I would always be confused because, you know, the, the rest of the song goes, you know, he may not come when you want him. I'm like, well, when, when's he coming? Because I kind of need him right now. You know, I, I, I need this right now. But he's right on time. And I'm like, how, 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 how is he right on? Wait, in order for him to be right on time, he needs he must know the very moment, the very hour, the very minute, the very millisecond that when the solution is ripe. You ever you ever ate a perfect fruit when it when it's when it's when it's not too early and it's, it's definitely it's, it's definitely not molded, but it's 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 right. It's the right moment to to pick it and eat it. I remember when I was a kid, I don't know if Granny used to remember this, but I remember she used to drive this blue dynasty. And I promise I am closing. I promise. I keep saying I'm closing. I'm closing. Turn it up just a little bit. But I remember she used to drive this blue dynasty and uh, her and Aunt Lucille, they would go to this one place. I couldn't even tell you. We was all over Ledson and Henderson County and they would pick greens and pick all this stuff. And uh, I would be in the car. I'm like, oh, my God, I could be at home watching Channel 11. Like, why? That was my childhood. Channel PBS. It, it entertained me, you know. People at Disney World, I had Channel 11. I was totally good with Mr. Rogers. I was thankful. But I remember being in the car, you know, she cracked the window. She's like, baby, just stay in here. You don't, you don't want to go do this. I'm like, that's right. I don't want to go do this. <laughs> I want to be at home. I don't, and I, I could never understand why. And they would be, they would be out there just, just be happy, chumming it up, talking, da, da, da. And I'm like, man, they sweating and all this. Why, why are they so happy doing this? And she'd get home and she'd wash it and she'd cook the greens and cook all this. And I would watch her and when she would eat that meal, she'd just lean back in that chair. <laughs> and even back then I knew that for some reason picking those greens was worth the trouble. In her mind, it was worth the trouble just to sit back in her chair and have a full stomach. Jesus is worth the trouble. He's worth the trouble of you forsaking all He's worth the trouble of you forsaking you bringing your strength to the table. He's worth the trouble of you trying to make things happen. He's worth the trouble of you putting a trust in an algorithm for the for the spouse or for the job or for no no no. He's worth the trouble of you just trusting in him. It may look like you're gonna sweat. It may look like you have to work a little extra. It may look like you have to get up a little early. It may look like you have to work a little later. But at the end of the day, I assure you, he is worth the trouble. Why? Because there's no, there's nothing else. There's nothing else and there's no one else that can produce freedom like he does. There's nothing else to know because at the end of the day, the son realized that, you know what? I got to go back home. And when the father talked to the other son who was mad, I bet you he that he had the epiphany of and he was probably kicking himself, realizing, oh, man, I've been working all my I've been stressing. I've been up night. I've been worrying. I've been sleepless nights. I've been uh, blood ulcers or, or stomach, all this to realize that all this was already here to realize that God you, you, you 
Father, you've already seen me as, you've always seen me as a son. You've always been willing to provide. You've always been willing to love. You've always been willing to take care. So therefore, you know what? From next day on, I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to rest in that. As this world gets crazier and crazier, the test of your life will be, will you rest or will you work? Will you rest in knowing that God is working on your behalf? All things work for the good of those who what? Love. So the, 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 the test of your life will be, am I going to rest and trust and know that? You know what? Okay, God, you know the desires of my heart. You know I want a spouse or you know I want a different job. You know I want this. You know I want that. You know I need this. You know I need that. Okay, I'm going to trust and know that you will provide. And as I rest, I'm going to create a space to spend time with you. Why? Because I want you to show me more of who the Father is. I want you to reveal to me more of who I truly am.